At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is Terry McLaurin, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast. Brought to you by RosterWatch.com and by Underdog Fantasy. Go visit Underdog Fantasy right now. Use promo code ROSTER for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Get into the Best Ball Mania 3 tournament. $2 million top prize, $1 million to second place. $25 entry. Who would ever thought? Fantasy football. Going to make some three people millionaires in this one contest this year. Uh, we're joined this week by... Eric Edholm, you know him. He's one of the lead NFL writers over there at uh, Yahoo Sports, uh, a guy that I've basically seen at every offseason event that I've attended <laughs> for the last decade or so. Right. Eric, what the hell's going on, brother? Yeah, man, it's always good to run into you at uh, you know Mobile or Indy or any of those places along the way. And uh, yeah, now we're, we're kind of in that uh, typically a slow period for the NFL, but I do feel like there's a lot of news going on. So I don't know if it's been uh, – quite the uh, laid back summer I was hoping for, but you know what? We do this stuff for a reason. We love it. So I'm, I'm happy to be here, man. Yeah, man. Not quite the laid back, cool dad summer that we were all hoping for. <laughs> right. no, but, you know, I mean, thankfully the, the NFL gives us these things to talk about. And yeah. thankfully this is the time of year where we can kind of, you know, I talked to some of the other guys who come on and we always say it's, um, this is a time of year where you can, you know, even though we are a little busier than usual, it is a time where you can huddle up a little bit with some of the minds that you, uh, like to you know, like to like to kind of summon together and, and kind yeah. of get your thoughts together and stuff because just during the season, talk about being busy. We're also <laughs> we're also Absolutely. busy. You check in on your friends. You see the you, you see the tweets come by on the Twitter timeline. You're like, all right, they're they're, they're good. Alive. They're, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're doing their thing. I'll catch up with them on the other side. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah a, bu- a bunch that I wanted to talk to you about here though, Eric. Um, first off, just the news from kind of. Kind of seems like it started developing late last week about Terry McLaurin. Um, you know, we had heard that he was unhappy with his contract, but now it's like he's saying he's ho- he's holding out in mini camps. Um, they're they're talking about the fact that he might hold out. He wants to be paid um, in the same stratosphere of these guys who have gotten paid so far this year. You know, some of these guys who have gotten these just giant deals. And Terry McLaurin now this season he's going to be twenty seven years old. If you remember. I, I know you were at that senior bowl um, yeah. whenever he came out. He was an older prospect coming out. So even though he doesn't have quite the 
NFL wear on his tires yet. He is kind of on the other side of what the analytics people call the age apex for wide receivers. I wonder, yeah. do, you know, what, what do you think the situation is for Terry McLaurin? Would, would you pay him? Uh, do you think that the Jahan Dotson, you know, um, you know, the first round draft capital on the Jahan Dotson might show sort of what the command. I'm not used to saying commanders yet. Commanders, yeah. <laughs> what the commanders uh, might kind of have in mind. What, like, what's your read on, on this whole situation? Yeah, I mean, just going back to when we saw him at that senior bowl, I mean, he was so impressive there, not only in his play, but also his his maturity and, and not just like the age number too. You could tell this is a guy that if he failed in the league, it was because he didn't have enough talent. You knew the work ethic was going to be there. Everybody talked about how smart he was and all those things have really held up. I think it's, you know, he's outperformed what you would normally see from you know, a guy drafted late third round or whatever. And I was shocked he, he lasted as long as he did, but he's been a great you know, hit for for the Washington franchise. It probably had what three different nicknames during his short time there too, right? Oh, <laughs> they were the yeah. the Redskins, the Washington Football Team, now the Commanders. But and 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 he and he's had like three different nicknames himself. What they, <laughs> they call <laughs> they call him uh, what Scary Terry and Run uh-huh. TMC and F F forty five and all these other things. So yeah. yeah, usually I check on Pro Football Reference for the nicknames list. I wrote I wrote about those a couple of years ago because there's always <laughs> two or, there's always two or three that I'd never heard of before and think yeah. who who called Tom Brady the Pharaoh? You know things like that. But <laughs> yeah, like what? All right, there's actually a story behind that too. But yeah, I, I uh, Terry's earned all his nicknames, right? Especially yeah. for for a team that has badly needed wide receiver help that hasn't had the best quarterback play, the most consistent quarterback play. I mean, how many, you know, uh, different directions have they gone at that position? Now another one uh, with Carson Wentz. And, you know, obviously I think most people look at Wentz as, as kind of a, a last shot type of situation, at least as a starter in this league. Um, you know, the injury questions, the the questions about how he fits in with his teammates, his effectiveness, all those, you know, all those things get bundled in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would think that if you are intent on getting the most out of Wentz, uh, even with the Dotson pick that you would have to have, uh, a, a Terry McLaurin in your lineup every single week, or as, as long as he's healthy for that matter, um, giving you what he gives you every single week. And I'd argue that even if his statistics have, you know, I mean, I think he's gotten better every single year, right? You can't just go look at straight at receptions, yards, yards per catch and all that, but uh, you know, I, I would venture to say that that he had a real strong season last year, even if, you know, his yards per game or what have you didn't quite add up to, to years past. So, uh, you know, clearly he and his agent have, have looked at the, the scenario out there, the landscape where all these guys are getting paid and for good reason in a lot of cases. Uh, and, and you just kind of start stacking them up against some of the, the, the players on that list. Is he as good as, you know, Cooper Cup or Devontae Adams? Probably, probably not. not. Probably yeah. not, right? AJ but, Brown. But then what about Christian Kirk? Right. You know, I mean, it's, it's like, ugh, I mean, yeah, that would, that would be the one that's stuck in my craw. Absolutely. I'd say I, I, I want more money than Christian Kirk got. Come on. Yeah, that, that's a great starting point. I think he can aim, aim even higher than that. I, I might argue he's, he's, I mean, I would entertain an argument that he and DJ Moore, I mean, DJ is making over 20 a year, I believe. And, you know, you could make a very uh, apples to apples fair comparison between those two. And, 
you know, other guys like maybe Brandon Cooks, uh, you know, Chris Godwin gets his deal with the, the ACL and everything. So, you know, Mike Williams with his health injury, you know, health history, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. You know, there's, I mean, again, even if they're different types of receivers, I think that $20 million threshold average per year is really kind of the new starting point. I believe entering this off season, we either had eight or nine. I, I, the, the number might even be lower than that, but I want to say at the most that many. $20 million per year receivers. I think we're at 12 now uh, without having the numbers in front of me. So you've obviously seen that, that uh, you know, millionaire uh, club, 20 mil club go up by a uh, 25% or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I would say the, the, the commanders have to think long and hard about how they deal with this and how much they can offer and how much, uh, how deep they're willing to go. It's like, it's turning the wide receiver positions turning into, it's always been thought of as one of these positions where you can take a guy in the top five. You know, you, you can take a corner, take an offensive lineman, yeah. defensive lineman, take an edge guy. You can take a quarterback, of course. You can take a wide receiver, and um, it's like they're finally getting paid like these, like these just super, super, super high end guys. Of course, and they also develop faster too. I feel like yeah. you know when I first started, it was always like, well, you got to wait till year three on some of these guys, and that is true for some, but some are breaking out like Jamar Chase and whatnot. I mean. You know, it's like the timetables completely change with that position. Right, right. Uh, and then, as far as you know, as far as a, a quarter, I want to ask you a few quarterback questions. Sure. Um, these, these, these are all the un, un, I bring on Eric at home for the unanswerable questions. Just try, <laughs> try to give us a little context. But what, like, what is the what is the answer with with Baker? Because, uh, or maybe uh, should I ask you about Deshaun Watson before Baker? Because does 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 that even come into the conversation? with whether Baker could get traded. Like, so just let me ask you this. What about Deshaun Watson? I know that nobody in the world knows what's going to happen. Nobody yeah. in the world has access to all the documents. Nobody in the world knows what went on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm, I know very few people in my life that cover the NFL for longer and more closely than you have. You've seen a million different situations. You work there at Yahoo with guys like Charles Robinson, who knows all the different rules about this. Right. Kind of stuff. Like to, what is, what is your gut feeling about this whenever you hear people like Mike Florio say, you think he might miss the whole year, but then you hear, you hear guys like Michael Lombardi saying, how can he play this year? But then you hear other people who are just stating president based on previous stuff. Yeah. The NFL is probably going to give him eight games, and maybe that even gets cut down. And, you know, like, do you have any thoughts about this and where we could be? Come September, whenever we're looking at Deshaun Watson, whether or not he's going to be the starting quarterback, the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, it's a completely fair question. But as you pointed out, it's really tricky to arrive at an answer. Number one, because I always felt it was difficult in the Roger Goodell era, which now spans, you know, what, 15 years or whatever, um, to use past precedent as as unless it's something that's, you know, collectively bargained in the CBA. I mean, there's that, you know, he's sort of this you know, judge and jury, if you will, in a lot of these discipline cases. And um, I feel like there's not always that, that ironclad standard, you know, where, you know, some of these, these rules feel a little bit unfair sometimes, but again, these are things that the union uh, collectively agreed on with the owners and such. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the subjective ones where, right. You know, the league can come in and, and hand down any number it wants. And this is, this applies to, to the Watson situation it's always tricky to look back because there does feel like there's an inconsistency. People view these cases 
you know, uh, through the, their own lenses and their own perspectives and say this one's definitely worse than the last one. I don't know that we've had anything like Carson, I mean, Carson Wentz, excuse me, like Deshaun Watson before. Uh, and, you know, the, the sheer number of allegations against him. Uh, and I think we have to go back. I believe it was late May. Correct me if I'm wrong. The last time Goodell spoke publicly on the matter, and people asked, what's the timetable? When can we expect some information? And, it, you know, he made it sound at that point, you know, now three, four weeks ago, whatever it was, like things were kind of winding down a little. You know, then we have the real sports uh, with the victims speaking out and, and going into detail about what they uh, uh, claim to have experienced and what, uh, you know, what happened in the in the New York Times story with the, the 66 visits uh, in a 17 month span, raising other questions about. Yeah, how much more is there? Are there other women who didn't come forward? Are there women who plan to eventually? Are you know have some already received payouts or anything that we don't know about? And most of all, how much does the league? How much of those recent reports did the league already dig up or know in its investigation? If they already factored it in, we could get a decision this week or next or very shortly. You know, right. by Fourth of July weekend, let's say. Or shortly thereafter. I know the Browns certainly want to know the what, what's going on. Get you their think? Yeah. yeah, right? <laughs> it's only the quarterback, my God. The one you handed out a fully guaranteed $230 million contract. I'm, yeah. I'm not laughing at the allegations. No, of course. Of course None not. of us are. Yeah, but it, it's, it's a contract that I can tell you, having spoken to a few highly high-ranking team officials, in fact, one I spoke to who had already gotten his quarterback contract taken care of shortly before, you know, in the, in the, in the months leading up to it and one whose team has not yet been able to do that. And their responses couldn't have been more stark. Like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm glad we got ours done when we did and didn't have to have this, an agent come in and say, well, if Deshaun's getting two thirty guarantee, what are you going to give my guy? Right. The right. other one felt like, boy, this contract was, <sighs> I mean, if Deshaun Watson had had first of all, he wouldn't have been on the open market. But second of all, had he had he gotten this kind of a deal, let's say from the Houston Texans, and none of these allegations existed, okay, like you get it. But with everything that's hanging over him, this that contract and and the pending uh, suspension is is very. It's going to be quite telling or whatever. Well, because because an agent could come in there and to go go to the general manager and say, "What you're worried about my guy coming off an ACL tear? Like right. who cares? Like Deshaun Watson's coming off 66 allegations, you know, allegations or whatever. Right. It's like it's you know why can't my guy get the guaranteed money? It wasn't like absolutely sure deal. Yeah, that's I, that's I, it. I, I guess I never thought about it from that angle. Yeah. It's true, man. That makes it tough on a GM. It makes it tough on a GM for sure. Yeah, I don't know the answer. I mean, I really, I really could I would I be shocked if he was suspended for the entire season at this point? Probably not. Would would eight or ten games surprise me? I don't think it would, but I think there'd be some blowback. I think there would obviously be a, a, a kind of a visceral reaction from the from his many critics and many people who are saying he doesn't deserve to to play this year or what have you. So there's even been some talk of of waiting until there's a little bit more clarity on the situation. So maybe we, this timetable we're working under doesn't, doesn't really exist yet. I don't know. I mean, it, it really, it's, it's been, the league has been very, very quiet and hush hush on its plans. So from that unanswerable question to another here, <laughs> what, what about Baker? What about Baker? Do you, because 
now it's now it's come back up. The talks between the Browns and the Panthers have not necessarily been ongoing, but have happened. Um, does the does the thing with Deshaun Watson still being up in the air? Does that even come into? Did Baker can't go play for them again, right? He's not going to go in and play for them while Deshaun Watson's on his way back. Like, what do you think is going to happen with Baker? Do you think would you like his fit in Carolina? You know, Matt Rule having to trying to trying to save a job, bringing Baker Mayfield in to hey, try and yeah. <laughs> try and steer the ship. What do you think about this whole thing? I, and, and count me as somebody who has not given up on Baker Mayfield yet. Now, I understand his limitations, and I understand that you know it's been this kind of seesaw thing where he's been good, bad, good, bad. You know, I definitely think the injury was a factor that, that I don't know, say people overlooked, but they, I I definitely feel like that hindered him. He may have hurt himself in a sense by trying to, trying to play through this thing, even if it wasn't his, his throwing shoulder, but you know, there, there, it was so funny to me to see, not funny, but interesting to me to see how when Mayfield kind of said his goodbyes, prior to the team making any kind of announcements, there wasn't any real clarity. And Baker basically said, peace, that's I'm true. out. Yeah. yeah. He had kind of changed the the narrative a little bit and changed the, you know, the, the, the thinking, I think. And, you know, Carolina, it sounded like initially was like, nope, you know, we're good. We're, we got other, other plan, you know, and even Mayfield was kind of like, yeah, that's not really my preferred destination, but you know, bringing back memories of my own like sixth grade dances is like everybody starts coupling up and I'm sitting there like twiddling my thumbs like, what do I do now? And there's like that one girl across the room kind of, you know, shuffling her feet. I, that's the one I ended up kind of asking to dance. It, we're, I, yeah, long metaphor and a little dark uh, childhood humor there. But it really does feel like there's just not a lot of, you know, you've got Jimmy Garoppolo who makes a mm-hmm. lot of money. And is coming off surgery this offseason may not be available, you know, during, you know, he certainly isn't going to be there for the June mini camps and, and you're betting that he'll be there for the start of camp. That's a tough ask. Baker Mayfield, you'd think is healthy by this point was still making a decent amount of money. I think 18, 19 million, whatever it is for this year. When those trade talks eventually developed and it looked like something was going to happen during the draft, you know, after, only Kenny Pickett win day one sounded like they were going on through the draft. And I think the hang up was the money, you know, how much could, could Cleveland uh, take off to, to ease the the load on, on Carolina. It would be an awkward situation. Obviously they draft Matt Corral. They've got Sam Darnold there. Baker comes in. I think everybody knows who the presumed starter would be. Oh yeah. But you know, I mean, Outside of some some pretty good offensive weapons, you got a rookie left tackle. The question about uh, rule being on the hot seat, you know, new offensive coordinator, everything is is kind of up in the air. And is McCaffrey going to be healthy in himself? They're great with him. They're not I great with so. him without him. So, I hope so. it's a, there's a lot to figure out with Mayfield, and and if he does end up at Carolina, whether that's a, a fruitful place for him. Dude, but. Do, don't you think that Baker Mayfield would give Matt Rule his best chance to keep a job Absolutely. over any of those others? Yep, I 100% agree. I, like, I mean, look, Matt Corral could be talented kid who ends up playing well at some point, but am I trusting him to be my week one starter? No. Is, is Darnold giving you any kind of, you know, fool's gold sort of false hope? I don't. I hope not. I think he's the, you know, the, if we have to start him, we will, but that's not what they want to do. And, and yeah, I would say that a, a – 
motivated Baker coming in and throwing to some, you know, some decent receivers could be a, an interesting thing. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. They, they have sort of a little bit. I'm not, I, can't, I have to look back and see whether or not they cross paths, maybe for one year in the Big 12 when that rule was still at Baylor, that Oklahoma, maybe for one year, maybe Possibly, not. I'd, yeah. I'd have to look back and see. Well, regardless, they I both know that yeah, kind of football. They're, they're yeah. that, like, they both kind of understand that world. They kind of know. I, I guarantee that they kind of know one, one, one another. But the thing about Tepper is, you know, we've heard the words about Tepper in the last couple of weeks saying that he might be starting to sour a little bit on rule. And so would sure. you listen to rule saying that he wants to bring this dude in, who's going to be an expensive guy. who has been a failure elsewhere as a, as a first overall pick. So yep. uh, that'll be an interesting, uh, uh, again, impossible question to answer. What about some <laughs> of these, uh, what about some of these, I'm going to, I, I want to ask you about, about some fantasy dichotomies in a minute, but first yep. I just wanted to ask you, what about Will Fuller? What do you think about Will Fuller? He's still hanging around out there. Last I last I checked, which was yesterday. I don't know if anything's happened this this morning. Um, wh- like what what happened? Do you, do you think with him down in Miami? And is that his work maybe got my my working theory that uh, we came up we came up with very unscientifically here on this podcast with one of my <laughs> other co-hosts was that something happened in Miami where it's like word finally got out that this dude just gets way too hurt. Yeah. And like it's like people have always thought about it before. Maybe there's something that happened in Miami with that injury that maybe like just how the words out on Fuller. That's all I can guess right now. Do you, do you have any ideas about Will Fuller, about why a guy who's been just in spurts when he's been healthy, man, he's been really good yeah. for a while once he got acclimated to the NFL, but it just, it feels like there's no interest out there. You know, you keep, you keep, people keep pressing the Packers or you could bring in Fuller. People keep kept pressing before all the Deshaun Watson stuff, the Browns. Whether you're going to reunite him with Deshaun Watson, all the, like there's never any interest. Yeah. And so I, I I wonder what I, I wonder what your take on the whole Will Fuller thing is. Yeah, it's, he's one of those guys that I think is, has been somewhat of a victim of an, you know a third straight year in the draft where the wide receiver position has been strong. So we're talking about a large influx of of new talent into the league. While you know while his career, I mean, even with that 2020 season when he had some you know some fireworks, right? I mean, he had oh, you know yeah. You know, it was like guy was seemed like he was getting 80 yards and a touchdown every single week mm-hmm. or, you know, our big games. And then but you're right. I mean, the the fact that he's never played a full season healthy, the fact that last year was a total wash, basically. I don't know how, even know how many games he played, two or three, whatever it was. So, yeah, I don't, did, he, did he play two? I, I think he, yeah, maybe two. I mean, I'd have to go look. But right. It's just the fact yeah. that. You know, I mean, when he came out, there was this. There were questions among scouts, like with his hands and stuff. Yep, yep. Could, could he catch the ball? And could he? Was he made of balsa wood? You know, that was yep. sort of the. There were a lot of like little sprinter injuries, like hamstrings and groins and calves that that always sort of be barking and acting up. And um, I remember at his pro day, something I forget what happened. There was like he opted out of a drill or something. And it wasn't like people were saying, "Oh, don't draft this kid." It was just a little bit of buyers beware. And I feel like that's just grown every year um 
But yeah, I, it's hard to know. I mean, I think he's the type of guy that that should get a chance at some point. Speed like that doesn't just exist anywhere, you know, everywhere. So, uh, but yeah, the places you mentioned all kind of passed on him. It seemed like so there there naturally is a little bit of suspicion. What's he? Twenty eight years old. I mean, he's still he's, young. You know. Let's see how old is Will Fuller going to be this year? He's going to he's going to be twenty eight this year. Twenty eight. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, what about what about Julio Jones? Because we you you not you know. It feels like it feels like the sentiment around Julio, believe it or not, might be a little bit warmer whenever they ask about places like Green Bay and stuff like that. Do you think Julio Jones left some gas in the tank? I mean, there are clearly he hasn't had the the same, you know, the same numbers from um, from a from a traditional statistics perspective, but you do hear some of these PFF guys and stuff say like these yards per out run and stuff like when he's out there, some of that stuff hasn't fallen off quite as much as you might think despite him looking a little bit older and more decrepit, do you think that he's going to land somewhere? And do you think that he's, that Julio Jones less gas in the tank? Yeah. I mean, right. Obviously you'd probably figure it'd be a one year deal. Like if he does get, you know, it would, it, it might require an injury of some sort to, to give him an opportunity somewhere. Uh, And you have to know what you're getting. You have to realize that there's, you know, this is not the Julio of, of, you know, 2016 or whatever. And, and when he was, you know, obviously such a rare difference maker and everything. I mean, I, I'd be curious about like a team like the Colts maybe too, with Matt Ryan there. I mean, would, would mm-hmm. he, Oh you know, yeah. I mean, the most Pittman. obvious thing. I haven't even thought about that. <laughs> I hadn't, you know, it hadn't occurred to me till just yeah. the other day. And I was sort of looking at, at some, some free agents and who might end up where and everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the Colts wide receiver group is, promising but there's still a lot i mean you know paris campbell's never done it michael Pittman is, is really good but alec pierce is a rookie you know there there may be a need for that that big bodied guy to help out maybe they want more of a quicker slot guy if, if ty hilton's you know kind of limited or whatever so i don't know man i'm just i'm just kind of trying to figure out obviously green bay as you mentioned you would think they would sort of be in, interested but um kind of feels like unless I'm misreading the tea leaves that they're sort of you know setting sail with what they have and you know the lack of a wide receiver one be damned right and they'll just sort of figure it out and trust Aaron Rodgers to make all the the best reads and stuff but maybe Cleveland is waiting on adding a receiver until they get clarity on on the quarterback situation maybe there's a financial aspect to it that's that's holding them up while they you know they have these guys on the roster carrying a, a big chunk of the salary cap right now. Let me ask you a couple of just uh, questions on the, on the fantasy side. Of course, we're talking with Eric at home. You can find him on Twitter at Eric underscore at home, E D H O L M. Nailed it. Eric uh, underscore at home. There it is. And, and uh, of course he's, he's a, he, he's a great friend of ours. We hope you'll go give him a follow. He'll, he tweets out all of his work from there and also uh, shares a bunch of great, it, uh, Bunch of great insights. So please go give him a follow. And of course, we always thank Eric for taking some time to come on. Um, let me ask you because I was going to ask these fancy questions, but I'm clicking on this one little tier right here. And before I ask you these, just one more thing about one specific player. Yeah, back to Tennessee, but not Julio. What about Traylon Burks? Mm. What, did, what What did you think of Burks as a prospect? What did you think about that trade? And what do you think? Well, let me ask you this. What's your level of comfort that he's going to come in and he's going to be a really, you know, be the kind of dominating force that they hope he's going to be able to be in, in year one? 
I, at the risk of looking silly, you know, six months from now, I'm a little concerned. I mean, and it had less to do with the fact that he looked to be a little out of shape at OTAs. That happens, right? We've mm-hmm. seen guys, you know, have that have that happen in June. And okay, now I know what I got to do, and and they're fine, right? Obviously, the opportunity is there. There's no question, you know, with Robert Woods coming off the injury. Uh, boy, like who else do they even have at this point, right? I mean, there's a, a lot of Nick, Nick Westbrook, Aquina. <laughs> right. That's that's it, yeah. I guess. I mean, unless you're I, I, I think Adam Humphreys might still be on that roster somehow. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, <sure>. right. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it. But yeah, I mean, it it there's clearly a, an opportunity for him to come in and start right away. But the way he was used at Arkansas, predominantly in the slot, not exclusively, but you know, he was a lot of times that big slot and other times in the backfield you know, wildcat quarterback, other run plays where he was involved. And, you know, I, I get it, you know, with, with, you know, a big quarterback who can run and a big wide receiver can run, you can do some creative stuff, but the chatter among some scouts was that like, well, why is, why are all his team, his touches rather seemingly schemed up? You know, you, you rarely saw him lined up outside of the numbers one-on-one beating press coverage and making a play mainly because they didn't ask him to do it. Did they just feel like they liked their other options on the outside and felt like he was their best option inside? Maybe also giving them these kind of, you know, uh, trick play touches and whatnot, all these other things that they did with him, reverses and handoffs and whatnot, throwing the ball. I threw the ball like seven times in college or were they worried about, you know, his ability to digest coverages and, and learn an entire playbook and, and figure out if that's the case and it's year three, I'm a little worried. Mm-hmm. Um, so I loved watching Burks in college. I can remember talking oh, to yeah. LSU, some coaches there in 2019 when he was a freshman, they said, that is what a first round receiver looks like. And they were right. Yeah. But it's been a little bit, you know, there's a little bit of concern for me. Okay, uh, so I was gonna I was gonna ask you whether you prefer Trey Traylon Burks or if you had to choose between these guys, Darnell Mooney. You're a Chicago guy, right? Yeah. So Darnell Mooney, Gabriel Davis, and Buffalo, who's coming off that Ooh, monster yeah. game the last season, or Traylon Burks. Those guys are in a little bit of a tier, going very close to one another in these super early sicko drafts that some of us are drafting <laughs> in. Do you have a, do you do do you have a lean one direction out of out of, out of those three? So it's it's Gabe Davis. Traylon Burks or Darnell Mooney. And I'm always thankful for the sickos too. I really am because I mean, like they help me kind of figure out, you know, what, what's going to happen or whatever. Uh, I think of the three, I would prefer Gabe Davis. I think, you know, there's always a little bit of hesitation to, to look at the, you know, the, the one big playoff game and, and, uh, you know, equate it to 17 games and okay, boom, there it is. He's just going to be a superstar this year. I don't know that that's the case, but uh, and I was I was totally wrong on him coming out. I was kind of yeah okay he's he's good he's good he's big he runs well you know I sort of thought he was a little bit of a one trick pony but I couldn't have been more wrong. The more I've looked at him, the more I've talked to the Bills about him, the more excited I get and they get. Um, I think he could end up at you know a top twenty four wide receiver this year by when it's all said and done. And you know I mean obviously that offense is super productive, a place to be. You know, they've got their weapons figured out. It's going to maybe arguably be more balanced this year. You know, I, I like Mooney, and I think he's he's got some special little traits, but I don't know that you can realistically count on on a player of his dimensions being, 
you know, anything, I don't want to say a a wide receiver one necessarily, because at that point, you know, I mean, it could, but look, I just don't think he's going to be your, your traditional volume receiver. I think he'll have a nice year. I really do. But it's the same worry you might have with an Elijah Moore, even if, you know, there are more receivers in New York. So I would probably order them of the three. I would say Gabe Davis is my favorite Mooney probably second. And I would say, you know, this is a one year redraft league. Yes. Then, then Burks would be my third choice. And it's, it's like uh, another thing that comes in there is like, sometimes when these guys are real close, you can just look, it's like, which one's on the best team. And sometimes that can make a difference. Um, (laughs) Chicago and Tennessee aren't going to be very high volume passing offense. I agree. Yeah. All right. So how about, how about another one? He, I'll give you two, two, two more here and then then I'll get you out of here if that's okay. Okay. So how about this one? Rashad Bateman. So these guys are all interesting for their own ways. Rashad yep. Bateman. Now that Marquise Brown's out of the way, right yep. for the for the Baltimore Ravens, Drake London mm. in Atlanta feels like he's got a really good runway to a lot of targets, but maybe not the good quarterback or team situation. And then Jerry Judy in Denver, who um, clearly he's you know he's got a major major upgraded quarterback in Russell Wilson. So it's Jerry Judy for the Broncos, yeah. Drake London for the Falcons or Rashad Bateman for the Ravens, all going very, very close to one another. Yeah. Uh, so where's London going? Like, I'm just curious where he's kind of been slotted in most. Like, it, it, all, these, all these guys are gone in the early best ball drafts by, the top, by like, the end of the fifth, beginning of the sixth round. Of okay, got it. All right. I mean, I, I'm a Bateman fan. I liked him coming out a lot, and it was even – it was another guy that he just – the more I watched, the more special I thought he was. I don't think you can give up on Jerry Judy, and clearly the quarterback change is going to be a massive difference for him. But I am tempted to say Bateman ahead of Judy by just, you know, they would be almost stacked back-to-back on my list without, you know, I don't do fantasy rankings, but they'd be pretty close. But I think I'm I'm fascinated by by Bateman's potential. I think they'll they'll be a little bit of – hand-wringing by his owners and if he doesn't have the 180 yard three touchdown game once or twice a year like I don't know that he's going to have those massive explosive games um and there is a concern like I think he had a couple games last year where you had you know no yards or less than 10 a couple of disappearing acts late down the year but in between you saw enough you know the game against the Browns was really impressive you know there was a I'm trying to remember who they played late in the year. Was it the Rams game? He had a couple clutch catches, I want to say, uh, in that that tight ball game. And they lost so much. I almost feel like the value might be a little bit better by the time we get to what I call draft season August, you know. <laughs> uh, right. but, but I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't put London quite in that, in that, in that tier, but that's just me personally, mainly because you know, look, I think Marcus Mariota, there's some limitations to his game. You know, Pitts is obviously the the, the go-to guy. London is still young. Um, you know, he's hasn't played a ton of college football. The ankle did knock out his year last year, but you can't ignore what he did on a on a I, I suspect his his catch and yard averages are gonna be pretty impressive. I don't know that he'll get as many scoring opportunities in that offense i don't know that they're going to be super explosive outside of those two guys so i i think right now that i would say bateman a hair ahead of judy 
you know, we still got to see him. Does Russ trust him? You know, is he going to become the, the the locket in that offense? I don't right. know. So I'd go Bateman, Judy, and then maybe a few spots below that Drake London. All right. So this will be the this will this will be the toughest one yet as far okay. as guys as far as guys whose ADPs are just right just right in there with right. with, with one another. Okay. So how about we go with this Terry McLaurin? And we just who we talked about earlier. Allen Robinson in a new home, finally with the best quarterback he's ever had in his career, yeah. at least that we know about, dating back to college, uh, in, in Matthew Stafford for the Rams, and a, and a guy in a completely different situation, playing with the worst quarterback that we've ever seen him have, <laughs> DK Metcalf for the Seattle Seahawks. So that's mm. uh, that's Terry McLaurin, yeah, Allen Robinson, DK Metcalf. Where, yeah. where, where does Eric Edholm go? Because I, these guys are all these because these guys are all going um, between like pick four. Like if you're in the fourth round, yeah. about the sixth pick of the fourth round and the tenth or eleventh pick of the fourth okay, round. Okay, so mid to so they're 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 all all right in that right in that pocket. We've yeah. had like a one round spread for the other ones. This is a this is a close one. Yeah, right. Both in that kind of wide receiver two range mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, you know, I think. If you're drafting anytime soon and the McLaurin deal hasn't gotten done, I understand if there's fear about like, you know, is he going to, is he going to stay out of camp? What's he going to do? You know, what's the next move? I suspect that'll work itself out. So that to me is, I'm going to put that issue aside. Everything we talked about earlier, like right now, I'm that, I don't think that has a, a major effect on his fantasy season. I like Allen Robinson. I do. I'm not as, uh, enamored with him as as some others are simply for the fact that we've we've it's it's valid but we've re- relied on that that whole crutch of well he's never had a great quarterback and and he's just frustrated look what happened to him in Jacksonville look what happened to him in Chicago yeah you know and it and it's undeniable but you know I just I don't know I there, there's already been some early chatter that you know maybe don't expect crazy fireworks from him like okay the the shackles are off and McVay's gonna gonna scheme this dude up and everything clearly with Woods not there you know there's an opportunity no doubt right Cooper Cup we know how dangerous he could be but that offense can produce multiple branches of fruit um even so I feel like he could end up getting overdrafted and I feel like Metcalf could maybe get underdrafted because of the bad quarterback situation or seemingly bad I part of me though thinks that there's still going to be ways for them to get him the ball. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. This is tough. The more I think about it, these are impossible questions. That's the name of the podcast. I mean, I appreciate you asking them. (laughs) I may not give you a great answer. I think I'm, I I would say I would, I feel best about McLaurin, even with, with Wentz and everything else. Uh, And then I would say, Metcalf and Robinson really close in that order. That's that's how I'd probably put him if I had to, you know, if somebody was on a podcast asking me that, right?
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.